Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Eben Novi Williams, and this is the I Know What Fox is Thankful For Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Yeah, not only thank you know, are they thankful for uh, huge sporting events, but they're thankful they weren't like me stuck in Canada overnight because Air Canada <laughs> couldn't get me home. My lord, talk about your standbys, your weather delays, your personnel delays, your mechan- I really had the trifecta. First, it was like they told me it was weather. Then they said of staffing issues at Newark, and then I finally get on a plane. We get to the uh, get to the runway, and you know the. Oh, sorry, folks. Bad news. We got a mechanical issue. I had the trifecta of bad news on flying and wound up. Luckily, my focus group of one and my wife got on an earlier plane standby. Is there anything worse, by the way? We're all standing there. It's looking encouraging. She's like, we have four seats. We just have to give everybody another minute, like literally another minute. We're standing there, Novi Williams, and two people come running up to the gate. I was like, you've got to be. So, of course, four minus two is... Two, two. And there were three of us, so <laughs> two of us got on board, and I spent the next ten hours in Pearson Airport, just sitting there, and then checked into the Hilton overnight. <laughs> I have spent I have spent my fair share of times uh, at Pearson looking at the, uh, the the flight board as my flight was delayed, 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 canceled. Everything so was I going can, to I can so Apparently, the thing that. you don't want to do, which I did not know this, and now I will spread gospel. What you do not want to do is take a late flight home from Pearson to Newark. That's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, so. the, the the a lot of those because New York to, to Toronto is such a short flight. A lot of times, the the plane, the, the physical plane that you're supposed to be taking gets caught up when there's weather anywhere on the eastern seaboard, yeah. and yep. and late flights out of Toronto can be very difficult to, to to get and run consistently. Yeah. Anyway, you know, because I don't want to be one of these people who only puts great things on Facebook. So tough weekend up there for the boys. Uh, oh, two and two. Hmm. Not the worst. I mean, we're playing the best in Ontario, and the two losses, by the way, two one. Two really, uh, the, one of the one of the top teams. Two one, the other goalie stood on his head, played great. Could have been five six, um, but we lost two one, and then the other loss was three one. And uh, my guy, uh, he was in net for two ties, two two and three three. What was the TV viewership for uh, for those games? Uh, I'd have to check the <laughs> live barn stats. I'm not exactly sure, but I will tell you, you would be surprised how many crazy people, if they can't go to these games, are actually watching on live barn which is sort of like this still-focused camera that goes back and forth. I can't tell anything of what's going on, but apparently everybody else has trained eyes, so they can. So I can tell you it was far less than the 42 million people that decided to tune in on Thanksgiving to watch the Cowboys and Giants. Now, we discussed this on the last show, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I said number one would be the Cowboys Giants. Number two would be Ohio State Michigan. Number three would be the World Cup. I think that's what I said. I can't remember, um, but I, we were very confident that the Cowboys Giants would be number one, and it was number one uh, running running away with it. Scott, that forty two million is the largest audience TV audience for a NFL regular season game. A little bit of a caveat there because of the out of home uh, viewership is added now, and it wasn't. But largest audience uh, eclipsing a record that goes back to nineteen ninety. Um, and, and, and obviously TV has changed so much since 1990. Um, but just to give you a sense of just how big the audience was for, as we discussed last week, a dream matchup on the dream day for the NFL. Yeah. Think about it. Everybody's at home. It's your tradition. They want to watch football. You've got two major brands, uh, division rivals forever. So 
What do we take away? I mean, from the NFL perspective, you know you're dominant. Okay, great. From Fox's perspective, if I'm Eric Shanks, okay, uh, it's worth every penny of getting sort of getting this sport and having uh, Thanksgiving to yourself. Uh, am I nervous now from the NBA because all of a sudden the NFL is going to take Christmas games, right? Like you've normally had that yourself or am I happy because I'm Amazon because not only do I stream Thursday night exclusively and those numbers have been pretty great, but this whole idea of the NFL and Amazon taking over on Monday, right? Or, you know, Black Friday and Monday. So uh, there's a, got a lot going a lot of places here. It's not just about the day anymore. It, it's sort of now owning a weekend and it's not just about the rating for the game itself. We've talked about this. The screen of the future will include social, sports betting, e-commerce. Maybe I can buy a big hat. More on that later. And the, and the game itself. Remember years and years and years ago, Eben, when we were at Bloomberg and Bloomberg TV launched, people really made fun of the screen. It was so busy. You had the stock ticker moving. You had some headlines on the right. You had a little box of an anchor. There was so much going on on the screen that people, you know, they poked fun at it and said, how can anybody even digest what's happening? That's that's where we're going. That's the gamification of the presentation of sports these days. I think my take, my first takeaway, Scott, is it seems like people don't want to talk to their relatives on Thanksgiving. <laughs> they seem way more happy to be staring at a. I could have told NFL you that. I, I I I eschewed my relatives for uh, three days in where were I mean, I was right next to Oshawa. I saw the sign "Welcome to <laughs> Oshawa" when I made my right. So you know, we were in Markham, Ontario, and some other town. I forgot. You know, three different rinks. But uh, that's how much I wanted to get away from my family. To, to, to your other point, yeah, the NFL is dominant. It's, it's no secret. This is uh, uh, the NFL. The, the Thanksgiving is, is big, the biggest NFL viewership day of the year. You get the two, two of the biggest brands in the NFL, the, the Cowboys and the Giants, two, three lost teams, which doesn't happen that much this late in the season. So, so you get two competitive teams, both of which are in the playoff hunt uh, on the biggest day of the year. It was kind of a perfect storm. Um, and, and yeah, the NFL is dominant, it, not just the NFL. And Scott, we can get into the rest of, of Fox's pretty banner weekend, USA, England on, on 2 p.m. Eastern on Friday, um, a game zero zero tie, maybe not the the best advertisement for soccer. Well, for let all let of me ask the, you this. Uh, let me jump in there. I know yeah. before you get to where you're going, let me ask you this, because this World Cup, I those involved in soccer were hoping would be a great advertisement for the sport. And I mean, you have seen a bevy of zero zero. You've seen no score first halves. I know you've had some goals, you know, in the in the last thirty minutes of games. But I know that's the nature of soccer. And, but if, and I've said before, if you don't appreciate a first touch settle, if you don't play soccer, you don't know how difficult sort of the Brazilian goal was on a side scissor kick to get your knee above the ball and keep it down. You don't appreciate that. So how do you win new fans, casual fans, if they're watching this game, one team has maybe one shot on goal, the other team has maybe two, and then they go, oh, nil, nil, clappy, clappy, thanks for coming. Yeah, I think it's a great question, and, and this is the conversation I actually wanted to have. I mentioned on the show last week just how much pressure it felt like was on the U.S. team, given the, the way in which the business of soccer in North America seems to be ramping up to these exact moments. All of that now, Scott, very much compounded into Tuesday's game against Iran. 
U.S. has to win to go on. If they tie or lose, they're eliminated in, in group stage. Canada already eliminated. Mexico not playing well. There is so much pressure right now on Team USA to beat Iran and keep going. If they do, this is a huge success. And and, and you're right. 0-0 zero, zero ties in, in, in that huge high-profile match against England. Not a great look, I think, for a lot of people. And, and, and I watched with my partners. Ant, who is not a soccer fan, and, and, and left that game feeling very underwhelmed and, and, and very yeah. unimpressed with the uh with with the drama and the action that that world cup games provide but but yeah i think beat iran and everything this whole conversation changes but but lose or tie to iran and uh this is this is ending up to be a huge disappointment for north american soccer for major league soccer for us soccer for sure there's a, there's a lot of cascading effects that are going to come down just depending on on whatever happens on tuesday against iran I fear I might have had the appetizer. Keep in mind that I'm up there in Canada when they were playing their game and Alfonso Davies scored Canada's first goal early, like the third minute in, and like everybody starts going nuts and you had to look around like, what like what happened? Oh, all oh, right, the game is on. Right, right, right. And going bonkers. And then, of course, they lose 4-1 and there's just this big thud. So if the U.S. goes out and does not beat Iran and they're eliminated, they don't even get out of the group stage, Okay. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, like you said, the, there's a lot. And by the way, nobody needed distraction. And you have this thing where the US soccer Twitter feed put out the Iranian flag minus, you know, the emblem um, mm-hmm. f- uh, for the uh, Islamic Republic. And then Iran was calling on the US to be expelled. And Burhalter had to, you know, address it today, say, we don't have anything to do with that. We've just been focusing on not to be insensitive, but we've just been focusing on soccer. Uh, It it just seems a a whole lot of distraction that none of those players needed. But you hit it on the head. There's so much buildup to Paris, to L.A., to to the North America. like So many business interests, so many soccer entities and soccer-adjacent businesses that were using this World Cup as a springboard to to the world stage, uh, really coming down to that 90 minutes and hoping the U.S. doesn't lay a dud. Yeah, and and this will be... The, the amount of excitement if if the U.S. does beat Iran is going to be crazy, right? It's it's really just that binary. I think if they go to the round of 16 and lose to a European power, uh, this is a great World Cup. And and if they do not get out of out of the group stage and 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 lose or tie to Iran, this is a massive disappointment. So there's not, I don't think, that much nuance left anymore. Two ties, and either you win and go on, or you don't. And 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 yeah, the, you, we really can't underscore exactly how many people. In the, in the soccer industry here in North America have a lot riding on here. Scott, we should talk about the numbers real quick for, for, for USA England, despite the fact that there was not a goal scored. 15.4 million people watched the game on Fox. One of, I've seen a few different ways of measuring this, one of the most uh, most watched soccer games, World Cup soccer games here in the US uh, ever. And then another 4.6 million on Telemundo. Add that together. Um, easy math there. 20 million people watched that according to the preliminary numbers. Um, that is a huge success for for Fox, I think, or at least a, a success for Fox in some capacity. Um, so d- despite the fact that, 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 that the game didn't go all that well, a lot of people tuned in for it. And, and I guess it's, it, 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 we're going to find out soon whether that's good turning in or, or people who watched it and, and left it thinking, nah, I don't need to watch soccer. Yeah, again. Say, what was the, yeah. What was that <laughs> call? you wake me up four years from now. Uh, but so, I mean, if you can get a game like Morocco beating Belgium, I mean, that was that was something that had a disallowed goal. The place was going bonkers. They disallowed the goal, but then they come back and they score again. I mean, you get the sense that that 
country. Well, I'm soccer, soccer crazy anyway, but that country will not forget that moving forward. You have something to build on moving forward, and the USA needs that moment. Like they need a moment to hang on to where sort of the, the casual sports fans want to water cool it the next day and say they watched it and they saw it and then pretend to know something a little bit about Tyler Adams or one of the, you know, whoever scores the big goal. And oh, yeah, I knew him. You know, you, you just, they need something. It, it, uh, another, another sort of uh, uh, just sort of tie that, that doesn't go through. Boy, it, it just, just a giant balloon popping. Uh, for the sport in the U.S., so agreed. Yeah, you're you're right there. And and by the way, we didn't talk about OSU Michigan. I know it did second, but 17 mil for a college football game, and not you know, too shows to Michigan going into Ohio State and a and a, and a win there, and just I I don't know. I, maybe I, I always go on the fitness thing. Maybe too many people are watching TV. Sorry, all sports TV executives, but. Man, maybe people need to get outside. I think you're on my side with that one because yeah, know, I was going to say all that stuff. <laughs> some folks are listening to this, banging their head against the, uh, against their desk. Yeah, they want more people watching TV. I know, I know, but geez, do you think what's what's the uh, the Venn diagram of all this? Like, how many you had 42, 17, and fifteen three? What's the Venn diagram? What's the number of people who saw all three or watched a good portion of all three? My guess is you get a lot of overlap between. Ohio State, Giants Michigan, and, and Dallas, Michigan, yeah. and Dallas Giants, because both football and, and and just given the places in the country where that's most popular and demographics, my guess is there's less overlap between those two and USA England. But I mean, I I I watched little bits of all three, so I, I'm at least uh, one one part of the uh, of, of the central uh, overlapping of the Venn diagram. So I'm sure there's there, there's a decent amount. But yeah, I think the two football two two footballs are separate from the football, Scott. <laughs> All right, how about a little Bob Iger? We'll, we'll, we'll change here. Iger addressed the Disney troops. Did you see how he started his chat? I didn't see that, no. Going go Lin Juan Mel, uh, Miranda, quoting a little Hamilton. Hmm. There is no more status quo, but the sun comes up and the world still spins. So uh, with that, uh, Bob Iger returned to address the troops over at Disney. And you know, he took some questions. And it's pretty clear that Iger's mandate here is going to be to get the direct-to-consumer business profitable. Forget about subscribers. Everybody was focused on number of subscribers. Didn't matter. Just get us get us more subscribers. Um, but uh, DTC lost $1.5 billion in Q4. So uh, it's going to be about getting that straight as you know they raised the price not long ago to ESPN Plus to $9.99. That doesn't help the subscribers, but it may help on the revenue side. So uh, you're Bob Iger. Uh, Unlike Elon Musk, who had some challenges coming back here or coming in and take over a company, uh, Iger seems to be riding in, riding high as a conquering hero, and people glad to see him back. Your your mission, as you see it, for for Mr. Iger and Disney. I think I think the direct that is exactly the the, the challenge here, right? And, and we talked about it in the last show. The the networks are extremely profitable. Um, they're making ten plus billion dollars a year profit, and the direct to consumer is losing four billion dollars a year uh, in, in 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 losses, right? And and trying to fix that second thing is is the most important thing here. And on the ESPN side. Rights are not getting cheaper. They're probably getting significantly more expensive for the ones that that ESPN really wants to keep. Um, and Bob's going to have to balance all that. And and we talked about sports betting as well. What is he willing? What does he want Disney to do on the sports betting side? Uh, is another big question. And then the the biggest one, probably from an ESPN standpoint, uh, what's ESPN's future with Disney? 
does it remain a part of the Disney umbrella? Do they try to sell it? Do they try to spin it off? Um, there, there's arguments made by activist investors and analysts for, for, for all three of those possibilities, but none of those things would surprise me. Bob Iger is a deal maker. He has a history of making a pretty taker. big shocking deals and a risk taker. Yeah. I, I, I think the biggest question, if, if I had to ask just one about ESPN, it's, it's, it's where does he see, who does he see owning ESPN and under what structure in the next five years? Kudos to our John Wall Street, AKA Corey Leff. If you're going to have this discussion with what do you think the effect of Bob Iger will be on ESPN, I can think of no better voice to discuss it with than John Skipper, the former mm -hmm. president of ESPN. And he did exactly that. And John shared his thoughts. Uh, you mentioned live rights. He, Skip thinks that moving forward, ESPN has to have the live rights, the tier one major properties. And that should be music to the ears of Adam Silver and NBA owners at all because they are coming up soon. They are uh, an incumbent on ESPN as well as Turner. Um, and when you're talking tier one, this is as big as it gets in the next few years of anything coming up. So, uh, you know, the NBA has a sort of tech forward, uh, way to go. I don't think they'll mind having a significant portion of their broadcast on streaming somehow. So I think ESPN and the NBA can work that out. He did not believe they were going to pursue a licensed sports betting yeah. approach. Uh, that's something you've been covering. Skip thinks that they'll take a bundle of upfront money and in return for advertising uh, and maybe some some licensing or whatever, but not really produce uh, or at least go after becoming a sports book. And he said no to the spinoff at all, that ESPN will remain under the umbrella. So I encourage everyone to go read that. If you're really interested in the what, the why, and the how, no better voice than John Skipper to address all those things. Totally. And it makes me feel good about us, Scott. I feel like we, uh, That's what we said we, yeah, we, we said a lot of those things when we were just kind of purely speculating right after the Bob Iger news uh, came out. But you're right. I, I, there's few people I would trust on this topic more than John Skipper, who worked under Bob Iger for a very long time and is obviously intimately familiar with, with Bob's leadership, with, with Disney's direction, and also with ESPN's. I did catch a Wall Street Journal headline, and, and excuse me for not reading the whole story again. I was, you know, <laughs> sitting in an airport and like, you know, dozing off and praying that my flight would get out, and ultimately did not. But there's also uh, analysts or investors are also um, a little trepidatious here about the theme park business hmm. too. Like, I don't let's not forget. I believe there is a sign. Am I right? That outside Disney World in Orlando, where there's like a little plaque where it says, "Like, never forget this all started with a mouse." You know, like, the, don't forget what Disney is. I know it's what it has become, but it, it, what, that, that theme park business. Uh, when's the last time you went to Disney? Have you ever been? I have been. Yeah, I was probably eight years old is my guess. Okay. It's been a, it's been a very long time. Every I time mean, you mention theme parks, by the way, I, I think of Secession, the HBO show. Never saw the, it. Believe it or uh, not, uh, never saw it's it. A, it's a fictional media company that is seems to be kind of a, a, a mashup of, of Fox and Disney, but one of their divisions is the theme park division. I can't and even tell I you. We say a mashup of Fox that. and Disney. I can't even tell you what's going through my head right now. <laughs> like what that could possibly be. Yeah. But I'm not, I, will, I will not comment what I think that could be, but I just had some funny stuff that I, that I could think that is. Um, hey, but I'm not afraid to say it. I, I, I took the kid there. You know, We did that whole Disney thing once. And you know, when you get off a ride, you have to go through the gift shop on every single one and just evil, evil stuff. Um, I, I have zero, zero desire to go back. I know people go all the time, I, you know, and have the huge turkey legs and the this. Uh, I, I have zero 
desire to go back. Also, by the way, did you pay for the fast pass? Uh, no, it was a few years ago. So okay. we didn't. We didn't do, do you remember the story where people were renting um, like handicapped, uh, disabled people to <laughs> jump the line. That was a New York Times story. I don't remember that. Uh, no, true. Seriously, that's what that goes on. Remarkable. Like, you, you had, yeah, they were like they were renting disabled people so that they could go to the front of the line. I mean, that's I think that was a New York Times story. But uh, yeah, my focus group of one got an ear infection while we were at Disney. They don't have doctors on property. I don't know if it's a liability thing or whatever. Had to take a little van, forty minutes to a clinic. Just anyway, brutal podcast. Um, not sponsored by Disneyland. No, not no, definitely not. <laughs> but hey, just, hey, we call it like we see it, right? Uh, and here's one. This was fun, and we just wanted to have some fun with some. Like we had a couple of sports business things. Uh, Eric Jackson did a great story with uh, Anthony Tolliver, former NBA player. And what what we pursued the story for was more like his approach. You know, we hear so much about athletes as investor these days. And I think about Steph Curry and Durant and Iguodala and it's all tech and it's Silicon Valley and it's, and it's startup this and it's VC that. Um, but what was the big takeaway for Tolliver? He, he had a different approach, which I know you and I both enjoyed. Yeah. Tolliver, one of the, one of the things he does um, is he's looking for investment opportunities, maybe not that are going to turn, you know, his investment into a hundred times X or, or, or turn out to be a publicly traded company. He's just looking for bankable products and industries where he sees a, a hole in an addressable market. Right. And the two really good examples, I think he, he had a really good investment and then exit with a, a, a fishing company that was that developed and sold uh, rods for children. Right. So obviously a very established industry, the fishing industry, um, but found a subset of consumers, kids that he felt were not being properly addressed. And then the other one, another a, a blanket company called the Big Blanket Company, which uh, <laughs> exactly, what it is. exactly what it sounds like, Scott, was selling oversized blankets. So again, a, a, an industry, the blanket industry that has been around for a long time, very well established. But he saw and an NBA uh, consumers might be the might, might be the perfect example. He saw a hole in the market for people who want wanted an extra tall one or an extra wide one for whatever reason. Um, and he had a really good exit there too. So I actually think it's uh, to your point, a really interesting look at instead of being a, a, a hundred millionaire or a billionaire that is able to toss money around at all these glitzy things, he's taking a much more measured approach and having in his own way, a whole lot of success. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be the, the huge exit, which made me think of what I saw yesterday with Brian Robinson of the Washington commanders. Uh, I mean, if you have a friend, right? If, if you own a business, uh, particularly one that's consumer-friendly and con- consumer-facing, and you have a friend who happens to be an NFL player, it surely would not hurt if that player uh, wears or sports or promotes the product in his or her post-game interview. And Brian Robinson of the Commanders did that. <laughs> and I mean, half of it's comedy to me, but I, I mean, I get it. It's, it's, like a, it's a giant hat. <laughs> he just, it's like a giant baseball hat. It, it looks like like if you put one of those ice cream sundae baseball cups, baseball hat cups on a, on a toothpick. Like that's, yeah. that's what it looks like. And I mean, it's called Noggin Boss. And I believe it was on Shark Tank, you know, prior to this. But out comes Brian Robinson. And I'm guessing the folks at Noggin Boss have not had this much publicity uh, in a long, long time. There, there's something fishy going on here with Uh-oh. this guy. With this guy. Um, I was on the Noggin Boss website earlier. You they were? don't they don't sell any actually officially licensed product. And it seems like Brian Robinson's friend is not Noggin Boss, but but the person that put the NFL and Commanders logos on the hat for him. 
All right. um, which I, I, I won't say he definitely doesn't have the licenses to do that. But as you know, the NFL guards its IP very, very closely. I would All be surprised do, yes. if this person had the rights to, to sew an NFL logo onto a, on, onto a huge baseball cap. It just seems like there's a lot more going on here. Novi Williams Maybe is telling me he smells <laughs> fish. You smell fishy I, yeah, right here. Either this hat is, again, if this was a company that was noggin boss, if they were able to sell officially licensed NFL products, I imagine their site would be chock full of them and people would be rushing to buy commander's versions of this hat right now. Um, but the fact that there's none of it on the website, certainly, I mean, at least my, my antenna goes up a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if we learn a little bit more about this, uh, and, and learn that maybe this product is not exactly the thing that, that people are expecting, but, but who knows, maybe I'm way. Oh off no, you're, you're, are you telling me that we're going to have to report on a cease and desist letter, like delivered to noggin next week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or or whoever took a noggin boss hat and 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 affixed uh, rights lo- licenses and, and and team logos and stuff onto it. I mean, who who knows? It's a wonderful story. It is very funny. I am with you. I think this hat, personally, for my own style, as my sartorial style, <laughs> uh, I think looks a little bit absurd. But uh, crazier That's things the have sold. Of it. Kanye West built an entire industry off of ugly looking sneakers and 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 slides. So at this point, I, I will not be the uh, voice of reason on fashion, but I am actually increasingly curious about the actual licensing side of whatever it is, the hat that Brian Robinson was wearing in the locker room um, and how much approval those companies had uh, to, to, to create it in the first place. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, you know, hockey teams in the NHL, they do like either a hat or a chain or something mm-hmm. for player of the game, whatever. So a couple of years ago, I tried to uh, help out our, our focus group of one's team where we got like a WWE belt. And the kids loved it for about two days, and then they realized the thing was just so big and heavy that it was just more <laughs> trouble than it was worth, and nobody really wanted to win it because they had to carry it around for the week. So I'm thinking maybe noggin thing, you know, with a with an emblem of the, of the team. I think this could work. This is you know, better you than clearly that. recognized. You walk out of the locker room with this thing on. There's no like who got the hat. We know. What's the Rangers use a hat, right? Rangers um, use a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a fedora, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadway yep. not hat. Quite, or something not quite. Not like quite as big as the noggin head, but no. I think the noggin. I think you're right. This should be a. This should be a thing that everybody, everybody, in the the player should have to walk. Cam Newton would love this thing, by the way. Players should have to walk around and wear it as fashion. It'd be like the Samaki Walker dress bowler, but just much, much bigger. Anyway, he is Evan Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Our digital media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what has recently become the Sportico Media Network, along with La Previa, our Spanish language sports business podcast, co-hosted by Asla Pelit and Boris Gartman. <laughs>